Grace and mercy and peace be to you from God our Father and our Lord and our Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. You've already heard the text read this morning about uh, the great uh, so-called draft of fish. And that is the basis for this new message and this new message series. Actually, I've been looking forward to this new series for a long time because it's really about one of my favorite topics. And that's starting over. A new beginning. And the great thing about the gospel and good news of Jesus is that it always gives us a chance to start over again, again, and again. And this is a good thing because there's always going to come times in your life and in my life when they're going, where you're going to find yourself perhaps needing to turn a new page in your life or start a new chapter in your life. And I know that's happened to me on any different occasions, all the way from college to teaching and changing teaching positions and coaching positions and pastoring and churches and whatever, in between all kinds of other things that just called for change in my life. Now, sometimes change came for a very positive reason. Other times, the change is brought about by things that don't seem so positive. In fact, they seem downright negative. Sometimes you just arrive at a place in your life Uh, simply because you realize that things are just not working the way you would like to see them work, and perhaps it's time for you to start on a brand new track. Now, some people call this turning over a new leaf, but really it can be called paving the way to a new life, because everybody finds themselves in a position at times where they say, you know what, just like my computer, I need to be rebooted. Uh, I kind of think I need a start over, a new beginning. Now, each message in this series we're going to go through uh, is going to be taken from a story or a teaching uh, from one of the Gospels. So as we work our way through, starting today with Luke chapter 5, we're going to be taking a closer look at who Jesus is, what he wants us to do, and what it means to really follow him. And today, prayerfully, we're going to discover the most important aspect of starting over. And this one principle, I I believe, whether your intentions are this kind of a temporary new leaf or uh, a new life, will sustain you for years and decades to come. Now, as I begin, I'm going to ask this question. How many of you know who Chuck Negron is? Anybody? Chuck Negron? Never heard of him? Well, the name may may not necessarily be familiar, but I suspect his voice may be. Throughout the 1970s, Chuck Negron was one-third of the rock group Three Dog Night. And they were about as successful as a group could be. Uh, They had 11 top 10 hits. They sold 50 million records. Uh, Chuck was uh, rich, and he was famous, and he had everything including a horrible addiction to heroin that he just plain simple couldn't shake. Uh, During the course of his singing career with Three Dog Night, he made 100-plus attempts at rehab, including 35 stays in the hospital, yet he failed again and again and again trying to kick this horrible habit. In fact, his addiction finally destroyed his career and he hit rock bottom. 
Uh, drugs took everything he had. In fact, he sold all of his gold records to buy more cocaine. And he found himself living on a floor of an East L.A. crack house. And it appeared that this once bright and shining star had lost absolutely everything. And he almost had. He lost everything in the world except for one thing. Hope. See, in spite of all of his failed attempts, in spite of that voice that kept telling him, Chuck, you'll never change, you'll never, you'll never ever beat this addiction, he tried one more time. He entered a program that was called Cry Help. And finally, after 20 years of failure, he won the battle. And during this time, he also accepted Jesus Christ as his Lord and Savior. Now, Chuck has been clean and sober now for more than 20 years. He is 72 years old, which really makes me feel real old because I kind of grew up with Three Dog Night. He still tours and he still sings rock and roll, but he also works with drug counseling and intervention programs. Now, his story, I chose this because I kind of think it illustrates this series, specifically what this message is all about. So it's kind of like after a lifetime of personal failure, after having lost it all, after most people had basically completely written him off and wanted nothing more to do with him, he tried one more time, and this one more time, it worked. Now, I think one of the hardest things to do is to try again after you've failed. Uh, even harder is to try again after you have failed a dozen or so times, and you can well imagine it's even harder when you have failed a hundred plus times to get up one more time and try it again. <clears throat> now, a few weeks ago, I was talking to a friend uh, about his ongoing weight problem uh, that has kind of yo-yoed back and forth over the years, kind of up and down, and uh, I, I can relate to that. I've yo-yoed myself. Now, my friend was on the uh, upper end of this yo-yo spectrum, and it is beginning to really affect his health. His blood pressure is way out of control. Uh, his knees are weak, and he has trouble catching his breath. And he told me, he said, you know, the hardest part about getting back in shape is getting started. He said, I know what I need to do. I'm just so tired of always failing. Every time I fail, he said, I actually hate myself a little bit more. Now, does anybody relate to that? I think most of us can. Maybe it's not as far as weight is concerned, but maybe other aspects in your life. You know what it's like to fail. And then you fail again, and then you fail again, and again, and again. Now, guess what? There are some people who don't fail again and again and again. That's because once they failed once or twice, uh, they basically quit trying. You know, Vince Lombardi said, when the going gets tough, the tough gets going. Uh, I've coached athletes who, when the going got tough, they quit. They bailed out. They didn't want any more of this. There are people who just say, you know, what's the use? I, I'm always going to be this way. Have you ever said that to anybody? Hey, this is just who I am. I, I'm never going to change. I'm just going to be this way. Uh, I tried controlling my temper, but you always keep making me so mad. Uh, I tried to make my marriage better, but my spouse won't cooperate with me. 
So what's the use? Or I tried getting serious about Christianity and it kind of worked for a while, but my problems didn't seem to go away. So why bother? I was at a church service last night where a man shared a testimony who said essentially the same thing, that as he became a Christian, things were really good for a while. But he said when real life began to roll back in, Christianity didn't seem to solve his problems. Well, he had more problems than just a little touch of Jesus. You know, a lot of people, when they're confronted with a problem, and I don't care what your problem is. I don't care whether your problem is drug addiction, alcohol addiction, your problems with marriage. It, it could be, let's be honest, could be in declining membership in the church. I don't know. Whatever your problem may be. Some people just resign themselves to, oh, this is just the way it's going to be. But you know, it doesn't have to be that way. Uh, no matter how long it has been this way, it doesn't have to stay that way. You can always turn a new page. You can always start a new chapter. You can always start a new life. There's always a new beginning. Why? It's because you have faith in Jesus, who is the giver of new beginnings, the giver of new life, the giver of second chances. Now, today we're going to take a look at a story that took place in the very early days of Jesus' ministry. The story kind of highlights one of the most powerful spiritual principles I think you can ever learn. Uh, And you kind of learn this lesson, failures of yesterday kind of lose their grip on your life and kind of give way to a promise of of better things tomorrow. So what does Matthew chapter 5 actually teach us about a new journey? What could chapter 5 teach us about St. Mark's in Mineral Wells? What could chapter 5 teach you individually about whatever it is that seems to always plague you in your life. Well, I'm going to suggest just three things this morning. Here's the very first one. And that is, Jesus in this story tells us to go out into the deep. Go out into the deep. Now, I'm one of those old-fashioned kind of guys uh, who think that you can take the Bible literally, but I also know uh, that it's also full of symbolism. And I think this is one of those metaphorical moments when Jesus said, go out into the deep. Now, I don't know what it was like for these professional fishermen, but I know that many of us, myself included, metaphorically speaking, prefer to fish near the shore. We try to risk as little as possible in life so that our failures will be about as unnoticeable as possible. I have worked as a church consultant for 20-some years. And I remember uh, visiting with a pastor a few years ago in Indiana. He was telling me about a great opportunity his church had to reach hundreds of people in his community through a very special event But the possibility of that event failing really bothered him and his leadership team. They kept saying, well, what if nobody shows up? I mean, what if we spend all this money? Will we have wasted our money? And we're going to look dumb. We're going to look foolish in the community if we try this. We need to play it safe. 
let's choose an outreach program that has a kind of a lesser downside, even if it has a lesser upside. And in his frustration, he said to his leadership team, you know, guys, with every opportunity, we are afraid to go deep. Now, I'm saying don't settle for life in the shallow water. I mean, even if you have a history of failure, and believe me, in my work in prison, I know guys who've had histories of failure upon failure upon failure who suddenly decided to go deep, to go deep. Dare to hope for something bigger and better than anything you've ever experienced in your entire life. A guy like Chuck Negron again, dare to dream that even after a life of addiction, you can finally be clean and sober. I mean, dare to believe that life could be totally different for you tomorrow than it is for today. Dare to dream and believe that this church could be bigger, better, more than you could ever imagine in the next weeks and months and years. But see, here's also what I'm saying. Even if you've worked at it all night long and your nets seem to be coming up Empty again and again and again and again. Don't be afraid to go out into the deep. That's where Jesus calls us. Into the deep. Get in the deep water. Don't be afraid of your dream. Even now, maybe after many failed attempts, your greatest success is perhaps only a few steps away. Put out into the deep water, he says. And let down your nets for a catch. There's something else he's saying, and it's this. He's saying, let down your net. You know, it's one thing to say, I'm going to go deep sea fishing, but not take a, a rod and a reel or nets. Oh, if that's your case, all you're doing is a pleasure cruise. Uh, now, we know what Peter's response to this was. Uh, Master, we've worked hard all night and haven't caught anything. I kind of wonder, though, maybe Peter, you ever think maybe Peter was actually thinking of saying, you know, no, no disrespect, Jesus, but this isn't our first rodeo. You know, I mean, who's the fisherman here and who's the carpenter? I mean, come on, buddy, get real. Now, Peter didn't say that, and he probably should be commended for that because he kind of had a tendency to open his mouth and stick in both feet. He, he, he always had this propensity to blurt and had I been there, I probably would have blurted. Maybe you would have too. But instead, Simon says exactly what he needed to say. But because you say so, I will let down the nets. When we entered into a building program at one of my previous churches, we had built, first of all, the largest mission church that the Northern Illinois District had ever allowed to be built. It was 16,000 square feet. We were the first church they actually allowed to have a million-dollar loan to build that. And we built it, and it was full faster than we could even imagine. And when it came time for us to think about an addition, we decided to put a 38,000-square-foot addition onto that 18,000-square-foot church at the cost of about $3.5 million. And when we are talking about uh, whether we should do this or not, there's always some people who go say, yeah, I don't know. This is a big deal. This is, I don't know whether we should do this. And then there are other people. In fact, I, I remember one, one of the guys saying, 
I think we need to dare to dream to do something that is only possible if God is in this. Because if we only do what we can do, not much will happen. In the next meeting, I shared this text with them, actually, and we adopted as part of our campaign slogan these words, but because you say so. But because you say so. There's kind of the first step. Jesus is saying the same thing to you and me. If we look to the Lord and he tells us something, our response should be, but because you say so. Nevertheless. He says, try again. Cast your nets one more time. Have have you failed again, again, again and again? You're exhausted from trying. You're discouraged. Don't give up. Cast that net again. I think it's one of the most powerful spiritual principles you can ever learn. And that's the power of casting again. It's, It's a secret to success almost in any endeavor. Just keep on casting. Keep on fishing. How many times have you ever witnessed to someone else about Jesus? How many times have you failed? You know, I, I'm kind of an introvert by nature. But there are times when I kind of break out of my shell a little bit and I actually start sharing Jesus. Now, my ideal story would be to tell you that 99 times out of 100 people convert and I baptize them right there in a Starbucks <laughs> or in an airplane or something like that. I got to have my percentage is a whole lot lower. I've had people tell me to take a hike in not quite those terms. I have had people tell me, don't be trying to force your Jesus on me. My response is, well, which Jesus would you like to have me force on you then? Which is probably not the best witnessing tool either. But you keep on doing it. You keep on doing it. Why? Because he said so. Go and make disciples. Keep casting your net. Now, I asked you about Chuck Negron. Anybody know who Bert, Bert Sugar is? Anybody know who Floyd Patterson is? Okay, maybe a few of you. Okay. Sports writer uh, Bert Sugar was interviewing heavyweight champion Floyd Patterson, and he mentioned that Floyd had been knocked down more than any other heavyweight champion in history. This is Patterson's reply. Yeah, but it also got up more than any other fighter in history. You ever been knocked down? We were watching uh, the Nebraska Northwestern football game last night, my son and I. We were talking about something, and he, he mentioned that uh, I had a school record at one time for the most carries in a football game in high school. And he says, what does that feel like? just getting knocked down time after time after time. He said, Cause you didn't score a touchdown every time you carried that ball 40-some times. I said, no, I don't, I don't remember if I scored any that night, to be quite honest. He said, what's that like? Because he never played football. I said, well, you get knocked down and you just get up. Sometimes you get knocked down and, and some other people gather around you and they help you up, but you just get up. And uh, I actually came off the field one time because my thumb was dislocated. And my coach says, what are you doing here? And he grabbed my thumb and jerked it and put it back in place, and I get back in there. You know, you just get up and you, you go again. I'm not advocating you do that to people anymore today. Probably sue somebody today for that. But you keep, you keep getting up. You keep doing it again. 
See, that's what it means to cast your net. Now, what Jesus was telling these disciples, cast your net, talk to people, talk to people, tell them about me. Get up and stay in the fight. Keep trying. And today, literally thousands of people have received help and encouragement in overcoming powerful addiction to drugs, all because 20-something years ago, a washed-up and wasted-out Chuck Negron had the courage to cast his net one more time, or like Floyd Patterson, got up one more time and then took the opportunity to cast his net in the name of Jesus to other people. See, God can redeem you when you're a failure, but he really can't do much when you're just going to be a quitter. If only, it's only when you're willing to keep casting your net that he's finally able to fill your life with abundance. Now, years ago, I heard Chuck Swindoll, I don't know, that doesn't come out very good on it, but what Chuck Swindoll said was, failures who give up are a dime a dozen. Failures who get up are one in a million. See, that's why you need to keep casting your net into the water. Now, there's an interesting Greek uh, grammar in this little story uh, that I want to point out. Jesus said, go out into the deep. I'm going to back up a little bit. Go out into the deep and um, let down or put down the nets for a catch. The verb in the Greek for let down or cast down or put down is kalasate. It's actually a plural word. It doesn't look like it in our English translation. He's not saying, oh, come on, Peter, give it one last shot. You know, come on, just for Jesus, one more time. What it actually says is, put out into the deep water and keep on casting down those nets for a catch. Go back to work and keep at it and keep at it and keep at it. Now, the interesting thing is, Peter responds with, but because you say so, I will let down the net. Now, Peter doesn't say, okay, I, I heard you say, go and keep doing it and doing it and doing it. Yeah, I'm going to go out and do it one more time. Peter actually repeats what Jesus said. He says, because you say so, I'll keep on doing it. I'll keep on doing it. That's why I say sometimes one of the hardest things is to cast your net one more time. Sometimes to confess that sin that has throttled you so many years and begging forgiveness one more time is hard to do. Sometimes the hardest thing to do is to go to a friend or a spouse and say, I'm sorry, I, we need to make things right. And sometimes the hardest thing is, I blew it again, but, I, you know, but with God's help, by the power of the Spirit, I can do it this time. Sometimes the hardest thing is, you know, I've tried miserably at trying to share Jesus and seem to fail all the time. You know, but I need to try it again. See, what makes it so difficult is when you say those things to yourself. You're going to hear in the back of your mind when you're going to say, I want to try it again. The little voice sometimes says, look, buddy, this is not going to be any different than it has been before. Why don't you just stop making a fool of yourself? Why don't you just admit it, give up, go home? Now, I have heard that voice in my life. Way too many times where I think God had placed something on my heart and I have said to him, I tried it before and it didn't work. And God said, I didn't say to you, try it again. I said to you, keep on trying it again. And it wasn't until I finally started to keep on keeping on 
that I began to discover that God had something in store. Lord, because you say so, I will be casting my net into the water again and again and again and again. Well, there's a third thing here, and that's that this new beginning, whatever new beginning God gives you, new beginning as a family, a new beginning in a church life, a new beginning in a church year. I don't know what your new beginning is that God would give you. It's just, let me tell you, your new beginning is just the beginning. Now, after these professional fishermen brought two boatloads of fish to the shore, Simon falls to the feet of Jesus and said, Lord, depart from me. I'm a sinful man. And Jesus said to Simon, don't be afraid. From now on, you will catch men. Now, I'm sure as a professional fisherman, Peter knew that what he just saw does not happen. In fact, Peter probably said, this can't be happening. But guess what it did? Have you ever had that happen in your life, that something happened in your life that you stopped to step back and you said, this never happens, this can't happen, but it did happen? You saw the hand of God in your life? See, he knew that this wasn't just a matter of Jesus knowing where the fish were. I mean, Jesus didn't have those little fish detectors when he went on the boat. Uh, he realized that he was in the very presence of God, a very presence of God who can do anything he wants in our lives. And Jesus said to him, in effect, what you witness now is nothing compared to what you will see in the days to come. He said, you thought you just caught a lot of fish and made a lot of money, didn't you, Peter? Wait until you see what's down the line. You're going to change lives and you're going to change nations and you are going to change History. This is just the beginning. And I think this new beginning uh, you're being called to, I want you to know that it's just the beginning. There are a lot of people who say that when you retire, it's the end. Isn't that interesting? Oh, so you're finally retired. I guess you won't be doing anything anymore, right? Uh, wrong. I hate that word. You don't even find retirement in the Bible, do you? Now, that's why I I like the word um, refreshing. It's a time of refreshing. It's a time of repositioning. It's a time of shift. It's a time for new beginnings. I've almost been asked to speak more since I've, quote, retired than I've ever been asked prior to that time. Before that time, it was plenty of times. You know, it's like, oh, wow, now that you're, quote, retired, you can come back to Haiti. You can come to the Dominican Republic. Let's see, you can come to Kenya. Oh, you can certainly come back to India again. Uh, We'd like to have you come back to Brazil again. Oh, would you like to be down in Seguin, Texas this next week and help us with a project? Times of new beginnings. Now, I'm not saying that everything like that that God dangles out, you're going to go, yeah, 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 yeah. Because God presents those things to you. And then also gives you wisdom to understand how to use those things in your life. See, God has great things in store for every last person that's here this morning. And it's not just one more net full. Uh, That's only where God's blessings begin, in a full net. But that's never where God's blessings end. Now, 20-something years ago, Chuck Negron just wanted to get his life under control. 
He just wanted to get clean. He wanted to get off crack. He wanted to get out of the miserable situation of sleeping on some floor in, a, in an old crack house in East L.A. That's what he hoped to find when he cast his net out for the hundred and first time. It finally happened. It worked. He got clean. He got sober. He got his life back. And it seemed like his net was completely full. But he found so much more in his life. He found peace. He found purpose. In a personal relationship with Jesus, he got his career back. I told you he's 72 years old today. He's still singing Joy to the World. He still sings, you know, about Jeremiah got a bullfrog. He, he's actually got a home today. He's got some financial security. And most of all, he has become a fisher of men. See, the new beginning of his life was only just the beginning. And God has continued to do even more and greater things through him. And I personally believe that's what God has in store for all of us. Sometimes we think, well, we're just so-and-so. I'm just a this. I'm just a that. Or this church is just, this is just who we are. Don't shorthand what God can do when you're willing to step out, get in the deep, cast your nets. But let's not get ahead of ourselves, because I know that many people come to church that are a little bit discouraged, too. I'm going to admit a little discouragement I had this morning. Because when I came, and I came into Bible class, and there weren't but maybe six of us. Momentarily, I was discouraged. I could look at the side of the table, and there were people that weren't there that I had seen. And this morning, actually, when we first started church, there were only about four of us in here. You know, there's a, there's a moment of discouragement. And it didn't go back a little bit last week when my wife and I were talking about it. And we said, you know, with a small church, when you say goodbye to two people like we did last week, and you've got maybe a couple more who are thinking about moving away, and a few people that may be relocating. And we both kind of sat there and we looked at each other and thought, wow, that could really be discouraging to people, couldn't it? Well, then we got news, which I shared with some of you. Our Christ for India campus in Vishakhapatnam was hit straight on by a full-blown cyclone. And did so much damage to our campus, tore the roof off of the dormitories and the cross off the tower and ruined the new kitchen that had just been built, tore the roof off the new media center that had just been finished, trees that uh, Mary Titus had planted over a 30-year period of time, all gone. The farm fences destroyed and cows wandering around and buses destroyed. And I thought, man... How discouraging. And there was a little point in time this last week where I just I just was discouraged. I just kind of sat in my office and then I put my wife on the train. So I'm just there by my, I'm just, I'm kind of bummed out, quite honestly. And then I got a letter from Jameson Titus. He's the president of Christ for India. They've not been able to get in touch with his mom and Johnson, who's here from India right now, and Hasn't been able to get in touch with his wife. But they reminded me of a devotion that I had shared less than a month ago at a Christ for India board meeting based on Habakkuk chapter 3, verse 17, where it says, Even though all of this bad stuff will happen, yet will I rejoice in the Lord. 
Is that the concept that brings me back? Discouraged? Okay, yeah. We can all be. But yet we need to stand up and rejoice in the Lord because He's never done with us. He's always got more. I don't know whether you came today with any discouragement in your I'm not discouraged anymore, quite honestly. I, I feel great. So don't be coming up after a while and say, oh, come on, fuck up. I'm, I'm okay. I'm rejoicing in the Lord. I, I know that the campus can be rebuilt. I know churches can be rebuilt. I know people's lives can change. I've seen it far too often. Some of you may be discouraged today about some things in your life. Some of you may be just downright discouraged with your whole life. I don't know. Many people might say, I've cast my nets as many times as I can possibly do it. I don't have it in me to cast the net one more time. Well, if that's true with you, I would say, hold off. I want you to remember something. Jesus is always nearby. His promise is, never will I leave you or forsake you. I will not abandon you. I am here with you always. Right where you're sitting at this moment, Jesus is here. You're within the sound of his voice. And I think that Jesus may actually be calling some of you out. I don't know. Jesus called me out this last weekend. In a little reminder, yet will I rejoice in the Lord. That's why I say, how's your yet? How's your yet? He's saying, don't stay in the shallow end, folks. There's a lot more fun out in the deep water. Uh, Move out into the deep. Dare to dream. Uh, Dare to hope. Dare to believe that I actually can do what I told you I can do. Did you catch it before? He says, he said to Peter, look, you think this is a big deal catching two? You're going to do stuff you're not even going to believe. When Jesus does miracles, Jesus said, oh, you think these signs and wonders are something? You're going to do even more someday. And I kind of go, but wow, really? God's always got something bigger and better out there. And instead, we need to learn to ignore the voice that says you might as well quit. And not worry about it. You need to ignore the voice and instead just cast your net out into the deep one more time. Because there's something out there for you. There's blessings out there that God has in store for you individually and as families and as a church for all of us. There's always a new beginning. That's where the journey to a new life really begins. Get out in the deep. Cast your net. And cast your net, and cast your net, and cast your net, and cast your net until God fills the boat. May God bless us on that journey. In Jesus' name, amen.